0: Good morning, everybody. This is your host, Rashad Gibson of Gospel Thoughts, episode number 30. And today, I just want to discuss some issues in regards to last, I think it was Friday, um, when President Trump deemed that churches are now essential. And when I first saw the report, I said, you know what? That's a real, That's a, thank God, that's a good thing. And again, I was naive because, um, I did not expect to see a lot of the responses, particularly from black Christians and black leaders. That was, I would say at the very least, just bizarre, just bizarre. It was, it It was, it is, it was bizarre. And it's, I just, I really shake my head and I say, this is an indicator that something is really, really wrong. There's something really wrong. There's something really wrong within the church and there's something really wrong within our political perspectives. Now, why am I saying that? Well, when I go through my Facebook feed and and I and I see the things that a lot of black Christians, black leaders are saying, they say a lot of things, they've said a lot of things like this in so many words that we don't need Trump to reopen the church. We are the church. The church is only a building. The people are the church. And and I sit there and I say, "I, I understand where they're coming from But it really does not apply to what President Trump is stating. I mean, it's it's something that is, it's so far off. It, It doesn't make any sense whatsoever to what the key issue is. Again, the key issue of the whole matter, when we look at what's happened over the last three months, if you were to have church, it was a very much a possibility that your church will be issued a citation which many churches were. Um, In some cases uh, pastors were put in jail and in one case I know unfortunately one case one church was even burnt to the ground because some people were sick enough to burn a church to the ground because they felt as though that people shouldn't be going to church but nevertheless the whole point is the reason why he reopened churches was because there now would be no restrictions, and since there's no restrictions as a church being essential, there would be no penalty if you did go. So when I when I when I began to read these comments, I just shook my head and I said, "How can you be angry? How can you be angry at him?" reopening the church and you don't have any penalties. And, like, and, and that's when I said, yep, this is a case in which what we're seeing is the root of bitterness that is really rearing its ugly face within many of us. Because there is no there is no logical or rational reason why any Christian should be upset that Trump said it's okay now for you to go to church. There's there, there's no reason. There's there's zero. There, there's absolutely none. There's absolutely there's zero. There's none. There's not one reason you you can tell me you should be upset about that. There's none because the truth of the matter is. Just because he says that it's church is essential does not mean that a pastor has to open the church up. I mean, pastors, that's your choice. You can you can open your church up or you can say, Well, I feel as though it's still not safe. That's your choice. You can say we're not gonna have church until I feel as though it's okay. And that's another discussion you can have. However, The fact of just being upset because he said that a church is essential is absolutely insane. It's, it is insane. This is spiritual. This reveals something is going on spiritually. There's something going on entirely that's spiritual. It is a it is a huge problem in my view because I'm going I'm to go into something right now. And I wrote about this on my page. You know, I was thinking about just the response of many Christians, many Black Christians especially, and just trying to trying to understand where this animus is coming from. And and I mentioned this on my page. I think a lot of animus is coming from Trump said it. That's why. The reason why people are hostile to this statement that he made, which there should be no reason for you to be hostile at all over this statement, is because it's coming from President Trump. If it came from anybody else, if it came from President Obama, I can almost, not almost, I guarantee people would not be saying the things they're saying. Black folks certainly would be saying that. The majority of Black folks can't speak for every Black person, but the majority of Black folks would not be saying these type of statements. You know, I know that. Let me let me let me share this with you. I can remember five years ago, almost to this day, almost five years ago, really, because you know this was when the Obergefell case happened. When it came to the gay marriage issue and how it was being pursued through the uh, Supreme Court. And President Obama was championing its cause and he was really leading this this march, if you will. And I can remember when the Supreme Court passed gay marriage as being a right or being federalized, whatever you want to call it. (coughs) Excuse me. I can remember black leaders black christians silent in fact I can remember plain as day because during that same time there was a shooting in South Carolina a white young white uh man Shut up a church, and I remember President Obama. I can't. I couldn't believe it, I was so upset. This man had the audacity to, to to speak in a church, and he was speaking about you know all the stuff that was going on, and it was a black church. The same day, or either the same day or a day after, the gay marriage ruling was handed out. And the black folks were just cheering him on because he was singing Amazing Grace. And I was sick to my stomach. I said, We are dumb, we are just pawns. We're so manipulated. It's it's almost sick. Here it is. You are a black, black leader, a black pastor, clergyman, bishop, wherever you want to, whatever title you want to hold. And other black Christians. This man spearheaded the very Perverted institution or a perverted act of gay marriage, and he's standing up in a church singing Amazing Grace. And no one says anything. No one criticizes, no one says anything. And I said, Where was the black pushback then? The black church pushback? Where was it? Where was it? It was nowhere to be found. You may have had some voices, I said, like myself and some other brothers, but for the most part, it was it was. You couldn't hear a pin drop. Nothing. And the truth is, to this very day, you still don't hardly hear anything. I can remember at that time, because I was preaching in, in different churches, people would have the picture of President Obama hanging up in the church, black church. Even though this man just had the White House draped in the rainbow flag. And openly supporting homosexual marriage. He is literally, he was literally the figurehead to institutionalize unrighteousness. To institutionalize immorality. He actually was a leading figure. In fact... In a, Newsweek, in a Newsweek magazine, it had him on the front cover as saying, the first gay president. And I bring that up because I say, where was the pushback for that for the black, from the black church? Where was it? Where was it? Where is it today? Next month, in a couple of days, Now, because President Obama really gave fire to this whole Pride Month in June, throughout the month of June, you're going to see all this gay stuff going on, TV, on your jobs, everything. Who gave that life? President Obama. Yet, when it comes to The black church—you don't say nothing. Quiet is kept. Still will support the man. Still think he's the best president ever. And it, 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 you just—you sit back and you say there's something really sick going on here. Because on one hand, we'll be quiet on that issue. On the other hand, when President Trump says we're gonna reopen churches which means you're not going to have any penalties if you go to church. We want to push back. It doesn't take a rocket science to figure out something is entirely wrong. And it's not merely political. It is spiritual. You know, one of the things I realized, too, this is one thing that gets me also perturbed or very, very disturbed is when I hear people talk about institutionalized racism. When I hear that, I just say, I I just want to jump out of my skin. You know why? Let me, let's just, let's just think about this for a second. less than 10 years ago, we had a black president. That's all I got to say. We had a black president. Let me be very clear. Not just a black candidate for president. No. We had a black president. Not for just one term, but for two. If we really believe <laughs> in the farce of institutionalized racism, we are really we have been so propagandized so drunk off of it. I don't even know how you can even hold a conversation about this issue with ignoring that blaring fact let me go let me be even more even more. Practical, because nowadays this is how things get so spun and people get so manipulated. Because every Trump supporter is a racist. So I mean, every Trump supporter, every every white person that supports President Trump is a racist. That's the that's the the narrative primarily. And if you're black and you support President Trump, you're Uncle Tom. So of course, you know that's another scare tactic. Scare tactic to keep black people from voting for a, um, a Republican Party candidate or Trump, whatever. Let me just break this Something down to you guys. Have you ever thought in 2008 when President Trump defeated John McCain in 2012 when he defeated Mitt Romney that a good portion of those very same Trump supporters had to have voted for President Obama or he would not have been elected and President Obama overwhelmingly won So that goes to show you that a lot of the people who voted for Trump in 2016 had to have voted for President Obama in 2012 and in 2008. Why is that even, why is this not even brought up? Why is that, I mean, these are just basic fundamental facts. I mean, this is common sense. So if. A good majority of the people who supported Trump in 2016 supported Obama in 20, 2008 and twenty twelve, then they can't truly be racist as they're being deemed to be. Does that make sense to you? Does it? Doesn't make any doesn't make any sense if We're always throwing around this idea of institutionalized racism when we had a black president for two terms. This, this, these just, I mean, they're just, they're just really simple facts, simple truths. This should let you in on something that just maybe, just maybe you're being manipulated. Just maybe. Maybe. Let me let you on something else, and I'm, I'm going to close out in a second. You know, I can remember, and this still happens today, I can remember, it's was, was about two years ago when the whole, there was like a movement going on of tearing down historical statues and there was this big thing, I think it was, it was in South Carolina about the Confederate flag or whatever. And I can remember they want to abolish the Confederate flag. And honestly, I get it. I, and to a degree, I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I know the other side the argument is the Confederate flag. the Confederate flag is part of our history. And I get that part too. But the Confederate flag is a racist symbol. Without a question. That's a racist symbol. Is it a part of our history? Yes, it is. It is. But it is symbolic of racism, right? We all can agree with that. But the thing that that just really, I scratch my head upon, I say, wait a minute. So you have a bunch of black folks who want the Confederate flag to be totally abolished, to be done away with, whatever. But then you have to ask the question, who were the people supporting the Confederate flag or the Confederacy? What party was doing that? What party was the majority, if not all, in support of the Confederacy? The Democratic Party. They were the ones who wanted slavery to be throughout the nation. It was the Confederates. And the Confederates, by and large, were Democratic. They were Democrats. And I, I find it to be so ironic that I say, the very people who want these things abolished are a part of the same party that enslaved them and wanted to keep them enslaved, that wanted to keep them or keep us in chains. And I just say, what are we going to wake up? You know, it, just, these are just simple things. And then I begin to think, I said, Not only that, but if you begin to just take a cursory view, a cursory observation, and you look at, say, the news outlets Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, MS, I mean, NBC, CNBC, CNN, or whatever what news outlets are Frequently bringing up race issues. Almost all the time. Very frequently. Very often, if you will. MSNBC. CNBC. CNN. Always. Always. There's always some type of race baiting. Some type of racial thing going on. All the time. Especially during an election year. From my observation, I've rarely seen Fox News spinning that up all the time. Rarely. They have their issues too. I don't think they go further enough into the truth. I have my issues with them, but for the most part when it comes to race, you rarely, you rarely see the race spinning, the race spinning. You, you don't see that from that network. But from these other networks, you always see it. Why is that? why is it and again, if this whole reality if i mean it's it's so crazy to me because people again I, I, I swear we just turn our brains off and we just ignore i mean in recent history, we say, well, racism is still in america racism that this, 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 all this racism yada, down yada yada. But how can we be that racist if we elected a black president for two terms? Can anyone answer that question? When the majority, not only did President Obama win the, elector- the electoral vote, he won the popular vote. Ask yourself a basic question What race makes up the majority of America? White folks. So, no, institutional racism is a farce. Institutional immorality is true. Institutional, you can say, perversion is true. And that's, you know how that, that's true? Through abortion and through homosexual marriage. And it, it's not, it is no coincidence that those two issues that are institutionalized are held firmly by the Democratic Party. You know, I hear people talking about, well, you know, you can't be a one-issue a one issue voter, this, and a third. And I'm not. There's multiple reasons why I don't vote for the Democratic Party. But, my friends, if we're talking about instant, instant, institutional institutionalized evils, how do you avoid that? These are not just every now and again type of things or, you know, this happens over here, sometimes over there. No, this has now has been placed into, quote-unquote, law, Supreme Court law, if you will, and held firmly by one particular party, because the republican party does not hold firmly to those to those evils. How do you still vote for them how do you How, how do you still support that party i don't if you're a Christian, how do you do it how it's because the, the Republican party is racist again, listen to what I just said a second ago. Your mind is being so manipulated. It, it, it's, 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 it's so obvious and I get it. Cause again, I wasn't always a conservative. I grew up in a democratic household. I mean, that's where I grew up. Most black folks grew up in a democratic household. But when I got born again and got saved and I began to develop my own values and convictions and what I stood for, what I believe for and what I'm, what I'm passionate about, I begin to realize that I don't support any of this mess from the Democratic side. The majority of it. So, I'm going to close out like this. When we stand before the Lord Jesus, one thing that we need to be sure of is what His Word states. What does He say? He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. Righteousness. What is right? So we should be standing for what is right. Is gay marriage right? Is killing innocent babies right? no these, these are facts there' see these things are these these are issues of spin this is lawful this is institutionalized and I wonder if the Lord will ask us on that day why did you stand in support of these issues and you say well lord i didn't I didn't support these issues yeah you did you supported the very candidates that implemented these issues, so you supported them. In fact, you should have been adamantly opposed to them, because you knew better. In fact, what does what does the Lord say? What is it in, in Matthew seven when he talks about? Many will come to him on that day and says, Lord, Lord, do not prophesy, do not cast out demons, do not perform many, many mighty works. And he said to them, what, go away from me, I never knew you. But what did he say in that last statement? Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What does lawlessness mean in the Greek? Anomia. That means to live without a law. What is homosexuality? What is killing innocent babies? What would that be considered? And it's institutionalized. Would that not be considered lawlessness? Would that not be considered unrighteousness? Now, don't presume saying that you're going to go to hell by supporting these issues. I don't know. I'm not the judge. But I would say that should all this should clue us in that this is not acceptable. Especially being a Christian. You know better. You know better. And the majority of us stay supporting this corrupt party primarily due to the fact that we have been manipulated to believe oh, the Republican Party trump the racist. So I'm going to stay here. And you've been lied to. Because it makes no sense. If you go back ten minutes to what I just said, you know it makes no sense. And you know that your values do not reflect supporting this, supporting these immoral institutions that have been put in place by the Democratic Party. You know it. If you're if you're a true Christian, you know it. Now, if you're a phony one, if you're one by name only, then yeah, of course, you can do whatever you, do whatever you want. But this is the problem. As I said before, and I say it again, theology and politics, they merge. There's no way around it. They merge together. They are, these things are connected at the hip. You can look at it from an Old Testament perspective. You can look at it, again, Moses. Who was Moses? Moses was just, was just a, 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 a shepherd that was sent to Pharaoh a political power to do what? Speak on the behalf of God to let God's people go. This was a, a quote unquote political issue, but it was merged together with God, a theological underpinning. Again, you can look at David. David was a king, a political figure, and he wrote a great majority of the Psalms that were messianic, that were prophetic. Politics and theology merging. Again, you can even say, look, the kingdom of God. (laughs) It's obvious, right? God has a kingdom. It is political. And of course, God is, he is the king of the kingdom. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. It's, It's theology and politics merging. For some reason, we try to separate the two. You cannot. If you try to do that, you're going to fall into many different issues. Now, you try to make it, you know, just you know, uh, a political party issue. That's another issue. But in a general sense, these things merge together. They are, they are at the hip. So whatever our theology says that coincides that that, that works works its way down to our values and our convictions. It's going to show up in our political perspectives. It's going to show up there. We can we can do this now. We can suppress that. And I think a lot of people suppress it. They know X, Y, Z ain't right. But they suppress their values. They su- suppress their convictions because they don't want to be looked at as an outsider. I mean, to me, I think that's being very, very cowardice. And it has to come a point when you can be like, yo, know, I don't care what you say. I'm standing with my God. I'm standing with the very values the Bible teaches. And I'm going to use some common sense now. I'm going to think about what has been being floated uh, to me by a lot of these people who want to manipulate and deceive me. I say that don't make any sense now. I can see through your deception and I'm not going that direction. You guys need to begin to make some choices. So on that note, I'm gonna stop here. I can go on about this. I'm very passionate about this. Um, but I just want to awaken us to this fact that yes, our theology, our politics, or you see your spirituality and politics—they merge. They're at the hip. And again, I spent the last 30 minutes explaining this. So, in saying that, guys, you know, share this video. Um, Leave a comment, um, and just stand stand for what's right, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the words of Jesus, even when it means you're going to be called every name in the book, I've been called the names. I offend people because i I, I try my best to speak the truth, and if it means family or friends not liking me, so be it. Who cares? What really matters is Jesus, his opinion. That's what matters. Forget about your friends and your family. What does he say? I'm accountable to him. You're accountable to him. Let's get to it. All right, guys. Have a blessed day and I'll be talking to you guys soon. All right. God bless.